Hi, this is Rachel Hine and Rosie Tillis, Duke Plastic Surgery residents on The Resident Review, a Duke's plastic surgery podcast. This is a lecture series designed to aid in preparation for a yearly in-service examination. Our goal is to take you through high yield topics along with experts in the respective fields in order to maximize your knowledge and potential scores. Stay tuned after our podcast for a brief message from our sponsors. Today, we'll be talking about quick hits, congenital hand. This is a scary topic for most of us. And so if you haven't heard enough from us already, join us for this. Rosie, why don't you get us started? Buckle up. (laughs) So we'll talk a little bit about the anatomy of congenital hand and the development. So the mesenchyme is covered by ectoderm and the limb grows by proliferation of the mesenchyme. The limb bud appears at about the fourth week of development or 26 days. Finger buds are visible at six weeks and separation of the finger buds happens at six to eight weeks. So 44 to 54 days. And then ossification occurs at eight to 12 weeks. The hand initially forms, uh, like I just said, with webbed digits and interdigital tissue must undergo programmed cell death. Moving on to some genetics. So HOX, H-O-X, regulates patterning and limb development. AER, apical epidermal ridge, is important for proximal distal development. Failure results in limb truncation. Fibroblast growth factors are secreted by the AER and they aid in differentiation and limb bud outgrowth, including the finger buds. FGF failure results in syndactyly. BMP or bone morphogenic protein plays a role in cell death during hand formation. So the apoptosis we talked about earlier and this failure results in syndactyly as well. The ZPA is a zone of polarizing activity and this is present in the posterior aspect of the developing upper limb and helps direct the AP axis, so radial ulnar. Sonic hedgehogs, SHH expression, which also directs radial ulnar axis, and failure results in mirror hand deformity. So sonic hedgehog, mirror hand, radial ulnar. Uh, Mirror hand has a deformity of the central finger with identical flanking fingers. WNT7, or wingless type, this is responsible for dorsoventral development. So WNT dorsoventral. And members of this family include EN1, which causes ventralization, and LMX1B, which causes dorsal differentiation. So WNT, wingless type, dorsoventral. EN1 is ventral. LMX1B is dorsal. So there are different types of failure in embryonic development. There is failure of formation. Examples of this include cleft hand and longitudinal deficiencies. There are failure of differentiation, which would be syndactyly, some brachydactyly, which is associated, remember, with Poland syndrome, which is absent pec breast development, campylodactyly, and clinodactyly. There is duplication, so that's another failure in embryonic development that causes mere hand or polydactyly. Those are examples. Overgrowth, an example which is macrodactyly, and and growth, brachydactyly. We'll start with radial longitudinal deficiency. This is hypoplasia and dysplasia of the radius and or thumb. And there are different associated congenital anomalies with this. Associated syndromes include thrombocytopenia absent radius syndrome or TAR, Holt-Oram syndrome, the Vactoral or V-A-C-T-E-R-L and Fanconi anemia. 
TAR is an autosomal recessive disorder characterized by absent radius with a relatively normal thumb and thrombocytopenia. So in a patient that has hypoplasia or dysplasia of the radius, you always want to test for thrombocytopenia. Holt-Oram is an autosomal dominant with radial longitudinal deficiency accompanied by either an atrial or ventricular septal defect. So Holt-Oram, radial longitudinal deficiency with heart defects or cardiac defects. Fanconi anemia is autosomal recessive and it is pancytopenia. It's invariably fatal and it's treated with bone marrow transplantation. Additional screening would include spinal x-rays, cardiac echo, and renal ultrasound in a CBC. It does not manifest as aplastic anemia on routine blood testing until after three years of age. So that will not be the answer choice on a question. If it says what other tests to get, you should undergo a chromosomal breakage test for earlier detection. So that we had a question a few years ago and a patient was suspected Fanconi anemia. And what else do you get tested? It's chromosomal breakage test, because remember a CBC will not show aplastic anemia until after three years. There is Vactoral, which is V-A-C-T-E-R-L, and this is a congenital syndrome associated with vertebral deformities, anal atresia, cardiac abnormalities, tracheoesophageal fistula, renal agenesis, and limb deformities. And the best predictor of inpatient mortality for these types of patients is cardiac disease. Polydactyly. Pre, there's preaxial polydactyly and postaxial polydactyly. Postaxial polydactyly is more common. So preaxial polydactyly describes thumb duplication, and this is classified by the Wassel classification one through five. To correctly classify, you can count the number of affected bones. So uh, Wassel class one has incomplete distal phalanx duplication. So there's only one bone, it's just splendid two at the end. Wassel class two has complete distal phalanx duplication. So there are two bones at the end, but everything else is a normal structure. And to treat this, you excise the radial portion of the bone and stabilize uh, with the collateral ligament reconstruction via ligamentous and periosteal flap. Other options include the, I'm sorry for butchering this, bilhoff cloquet, which is an excision of the central bone and soft tissue. Uh, Wassel class three has incomplete proximal phalanx duplication. So you have the proximal phalanx starts as one, ends in two, and then there are two distal phalanges. So that's three affected bones. And then a Wassel class four has complete proximal and distal duplication, which has four bones total. And that's the most common. To treat this, you excise the radial portion of the bones and stabilize it with the collateral ligament reconstruction like we talked about. And it is most important to maintain the ulnar collateral ligament. You also need to reposition the flexor and extensor tendons, as well as identifying and reattaching APB. Wassel class five has incomplete duplicated metacarpal also class six has duplicated metacarpals as well as everything else after that. Also class seven has a triphalangeal thumb. So seven bones total, three on the normal side and four on the triphalangeal duplication. Great. I think that's a great way to remember it. So with the Wassel classification, you count the number of abnormal bones, you get your stage. Remember to keep your ulnar collateral ligaments intact when you're reconstructing these and four is the most common. We'll next do syndactyly. So syndactyly is variable fusion between two adjacent fingers. There is simple, which is fusion only through the skin, complex, which is fusion involving bone, and complete, which is when the entire commissure is involved, including the nail bed. Treatment for simple syndactyly can be reconstructed by a dorsal rectangular flap, which we are commonly tested on for the web space. 
And the limit of this dissection is the bifurcation of the digital arteries. Remember the digital arteries are more distal than the nerves and the nerves can undergo fascicular dissection to separate them more proximally. To for digital separation, you can reconstruct by designing interdigitating skin flaps and using full thickness skin grafts. And staging of complete syndactyly includes the first and fourth web spaces first, followed by the second and third spaces in two separate procedures. And then surgery on simple syndactyly of the toes, which we've been tested on, particularly the second and the third are not required. This is completely elective, but it can be done to avoid emotional and psychological concerns. And remember that associated syndromes with syndactyly include aperts. So moving on to some thumb abnormalities, we can classify these with the Blouth classification. Blouth one has minimal hypoplasia with full complement of neurovascular and musculoskeletal elements that are just smaller in size. You don't need to treat this surgically. Blouth two thumb hypoplasia has presence of all bones, but they're hypoplastic. There's instability of the ulnar collateral ligament of the MCP and thenar hypoplasia as well. This requires MCP joint stabilization with opponent's plasty and deepening of the first web space. That's Blouth 2. Blouth 3A has an intact CMC joint, poor active motion at the MCP and IP, and this requires MCP joint stabilization with opponent's plasty and deepening of the first web space as well. So 3A is, is treated the same as 2. Blouth 3B thumb hypoplasia involves a deficient CMC joint with absence of the trapezium, aplastic proximal first metacarpal head, and absence of the MP or IP joint motion. Treatment for Blouth 3B includes thumb amputation followed by index polycization. Blouth 4 thumb hypoplasia is also called a pounce flautant or floating thumb. Excuse my French. No, there are no <laughs> muscular or skeletal attachments between the thumb and the hand. So this also is treated by amputation of the thumb followed by index polycization. So 3B and 4 are treated the same as well. Blouth 5, uh, thumb hypoplasia is an absent thumb and is also treated with index finger polycization. Great, Rosie. Order- so just remember that the separation is between 3A and 3B. And what separates that is if the patient has an intact CMC joint or not. So everything lower than 3A, you can treat either with opponent's plasty um, or non-surgical treatment if it's a one, and then everything greater than 3A, so 3B and upwards, thumb amputation and index pulsization. Um, I guess I'll talk a little bit about pulsization. So remember, this is used for blouse type 3B, performed between three months and three years. So remember, three months and three years, you need to perform this, and that is important because the child learns pinch after three years, and that will be difficult for any kind of neuroplastic learning if this is done afterwards. The procedure includes shortening of the index finger metacarpal and repositioning of the metacarpal head and hyperextension against the preserved metacarpal base. So if you think about it, that becomes your CMC joint. The index MP becomes the new thumb CMC joint. The index PIP becomes the thumb MP joint. And the index DIP becomes the thumb's IP joint because remember the thumb does not have a middle phalanx. Everything gets shifted one proximally. The EDC becomes the APL. You do have to know these, these are tested. And the dorsal interosseus becomes the abductor pollicis brevis. And the palmar interosseus becomes the adductor pollicis. And then the EIP can be reconstructed as the EPL. 
And the best way that I remember this, because this is a lot of words and kind of confusing is that if you remember in your hand anatomy pad dab, so Palmer adducts, dorsal abducts, and that, and that is a description of the interosseous muscles. So that will still apply for your thumb reconstruction. So your Palmer interosseous adducts, adducts, and your dorsal interosseous will abduct, and that uh, includes your index pulsization. And that's a good way to remember your intrinsics. For pulsization, you do not need thumb at uh, thumb metacarpal present, and that's an important part of the procedure. So sometimes they'll ask if the toe to thumb is a good option. That other reconstructive option, you need a metacarpal present. So just remember that if you have no metacarpal index pulsization, if you have a metacarpal, a toe to thumb is an option for that patient. We'll talk about amniotic band syndrome or constriction bands. So amniotic band syndrome or constriction band syndrome, the accepted cause so for amniotic band syndrome, reconstruction band syndrome, the most common accepted cause is the extrinsic theory, which proposes that low amniotic fluid causes constriction rings. Clinical manifestations of amniotic band syndrome or constriction band syndrome include skin dimpling all the way to digital amputation, and acrosyndactyly is pathognomonic for amniotic band syndrome. So think limb and digital amputations along with constriction rings and fibrous bands. This is responsible for 12% of all congenital limb deformities, and it has no known genetic transmission. Associated factors with amniotic bands and reconstriction bands include prematurity, low birth weight, young multigravid mothers, and oligohydramnios. Amniotic band or constriction bands can result in compartment syndrome. This is manifested with edema, boy, and then compartment syndrome, and eventually a Volkman's contracture. What you want to look for is the formation of boli, and this is the sentinel lesion to let you know that your band is causing this, this compartment syndrome. You can excise the band. You can excise 50% of it at one point and then followed by the other 50% three to six months later, and this results in the resolution of the edema pretty rapidly. Campylodactyly is a painless and progressive non-traumatic contracture of the PIP joint. It affects 1% of the population, and x-ray will show the contracted PIP. It's typically treated non-operatively with static splinting, and surgery should be kind of a last-ditch option if someone really needs it. Clinodactyly can be caused by a delta phalanx or bracketed epiphysis, resulting in excessive radial or ulnar deviation of a digit. So look for the delta phalanx in question stems and on x-rays. The Kerner deformity has progressive palmar and radial curvature of the distal phalanx of the little finger, and it presents in pre-adolescence. The next thing that we'll talk about is congenital trigger finger and trigger thumb. So congenital trigger finger is different than trigger thumb, and it presents more commonly in the ulnar digits with associated malformations of the superficial deep flexors. To treat, you typically need A1 pulley release with tenoplasty of the chiasm and partial opening of the A2 pulley is generally necessary. With congenital trigger thumb, that will present in a pediatric patient with flexion at the IP joint of the thumb when sporadic locking. Treatment of this, uh, you can usually observe at one year, but treat after three years, and that concludes release. And sometimes you'll see a not as node, which is the name of the node that is given for the congenital trigger thumb. Macrodactyly is congenital overgrowth disorder and represents 1% of upper extremity congenital anomalies. It will present as a digital enlargement that involves all tissue types and maintains patterns of growth and anatomic relationships within the affected portion of the hand. Treatment. If the affected fingers are sensate, then you will debulk and you'll perform an epiphysiodesis. 
which is premature closure of the growth plates. And those are performed at the IP and MP joints. This can be associated with neurofibromatosis or von Recklinghausen's disease. Brachydactyly, a shortened fingers. Treatment is aimed at maintaining the pincher grasp. And there's usually an attempt to reconstruct small and ring fingers to facilitate grip and opposition. You can perform treatment for brachydactyly at eight to 12 months of age. And if there's no functional deficit, then reconstruction is not necessary. And then a few miscellaneous topics in congenital hand. Shoulder dystocia is found to be the risk factor most associated with birth brachial plexus injuries. Cesarean delivery is protective against shoulder dystocia, therefore brachial plexus injuries. Salter Harris fractures are fractures across the growth plate. They are named, the great mnemonic is just Salter and you just have types one through six and they all correspond with the letter of Salter. So type one, think of S and that goes straight across the growth plate. Type two, think of A, and that goes above the growth plate. Type three, think of L, Salter, lower. So it goes down through the lower part of the growth plate. Type four goes through the growth plate and up through the bone itself. Type five is E, and that's erasure of the growth plate. So it's a compressive fracture that compresses the two fragments together. And type six is a periosteal reaction like R. And it's where you have a fragment of bone that is hanging on only by the periosteum. Thanks, Rosie. And then (laughs) there, we were tested on an extra octave fracture and that's one not involving the physis. So if you don't see any of those six things and it's in the metaphysis or diaphyseal bone only, that will be an extra octave fracture. And then finally, our last miscellaneous topic is that any infant or pediatric patient that undergo upper extremity reconstruction procedures should be placed in a long arm cast. Thank you so much for listening to Quick Hits with Rosie and Rachel on Congenital Hand. We would like to thank Allergan for their continued support of our podcast. Allergan Aesthetics is now part of AbbVie, an international leader in many different therapeutic categories. Many of the topics and therapies we discuss on our podcast are provided by Allergan. They continue to be a leader in the fields of breast reconstruction, abdominal wall reconstruction, medical aesthetics, and much more. Additionally, they are dedicated to supporting the education of plastic surgery residents and plastic surgeons across the country.